Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You are locked on, locked on, locked on Hornets. Your daily Charlotte Hornets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Hornets, the best Charlotte Hornets news and analysis in your podcast feed every day whenever you need it. Uh, I'm ready for another week of Hornets talk as the Hornets are still in this thing. They're still in the playoffs race. Uh, We're going to talk about that here in a second. Today's episode is brought to you by SeatGeek. It's the easiest way to buy and sell tickets online, especially with the free SeatGeek app. Use our promo code LOHORNETS to get $20 off your first purchase. I'm Doug Branson, joined by my good friend. He's he's here almost every Monday now, and I love it. Nada Edwards. Doug, what's going on, man? We, we went 1-1 one one during the weekend. Almost went 2-0. and oh. And almost and making this playoff thing a little bit, a little bit more interesting. It's, Just a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it's getting interesting. It's going from uh, I would say extremely improbable to highly improbable, and that's a big that is a big leap because once you're at extremely I probable, I would even you go would say probable. probable. Okay, yeah, well, let's we're, we're okay. We'll, we will argue about this in just a second. But first, I have to ask you about this wild uh, weekend of college basketball. The Elite Eight finishing up, finishing up, and the University of North Carolina with the last second shot, Luke May, and then the University of South Carolina in the Final Four. What 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 do you think? UNC USC final is this happening? I would say I'll I'll, I'll put it this way. I think it's going to be Gonzaga-UNC no matter what, but South Carolina's got a good shot. And and more importantly, if you live in the city of Charlotte and you happen, if there, ha- there happens to be a North Carolina, South Carolina battle for the Carolinas one time for the, for the Bass NCAA title, like, get to a bomb shelter. Just get to a bomb shelter. Because that place, is, again, that city's going to explode. So, Doug... Thankfully, I'm not going to be down there. If that happens, you will get to shelter, get some water. (laughs) The funniest thing that I saw on Twitter is uh, that this will be a battle for Carowinds. The fate of Carowinds, the theme park that sits on the border of North Carolina and South Carolina, is is on the line in this game. Winner gets gets, uh, the Cyclone. Oh well, that's that sounds like that sounds like a nice little that sounds like a nice little compromise. Just battle for Carolines. Well, it's because like it's not going to be a battle for the real Carolina. That's ridiculous. I would be nervous about a Carolina Duke final for that reason, but I'm not nervous about you know a UNC. You you know if if South Carolina were to somehow pull off this miraculous run and beat North Carolina in a in a hypothetical championship, yeah, I'm okay as a Carolina fan. I'm okay with my legacy of of. Of uh, you know my legacy, like I own it or something. But you, you, hey, you sure about that? Uh, I am. You, I'm definitely really sure about that. Here's what I. Here's what I'm not sure about. All of these people on Twitter who say, you know, man, I'm, I'm glad Roy Williams didn't call a timeout. 
let Luke May get that <laughs> oh, shot. Oh, wait, wait. I didn't get called a timeout. Oh, come on now. Same people. They lose in overtime. Same they, people. They, yeah, they lose in overtime. We're talking about a different, so like fun. literally, sports we're talking is, about a Sports are so funny. Sports yeah, are so sports funny. Yeah, sports is funny. Speaking of Roy, though, we got to bring this up. And more importantly, can, can, can Heels fans finally appreciate Roy? Can y'all just stop criticizing anything the man does? He's only gotten you to two Final Fours in the in basically in the shadows of sanctions in the or in the shadows of an investigation. And I can name maybe two or three coaches tops off the gate that can basically say, you know what? I can stick around. I can rebuild this because most coaches would have either retired in Roy's case because he's got two titles and he's still one of the top 10 coaches to ever coach college basketball ever. He could have gone off and taken his ball and gone home. No, what did he do? He decided to stick around and rebuild and got you two Final Fours. So at this point, Roy Williams should be hater-proof to any single Heels fan, no matter what. Results-based analyst, analyst, uh, anal, ah, forget it. Results-based <laughs> and analysis. Bunch of numbers nerds. Exactly. Results-based <laughs> analyst analysis basically gone. Again, I don't give a dad gum dern. Exactly. Exactly. I should have said that. I should have just left it. But dadgummit, leave Roy alone. Roy should be hater-proof to any single Heels fan, or if you claim to be a Heels fan, he's hater-proof at this point. All right, we're gonna we're gonna shift gears, talk about some Hornets. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Head over to iTunes and search Locked On and find podcast on the NFL, the NBA, golf, fantasy sports, the NBA draft podcast getting kicked off soon. It is the fastest growing podcast network in the world. We begin in Charlotte, where the Hornets had to deal with two dangerous teams for two. Very different reasons. First up, the defending champions on Friday night, Cleveland Cavaliers in town. No rest for the superstars on this night. The Hornets tested them throughout. Kimba Walker was spectacularly efficient, going toe-to-toe with Kyrie all night. He shoots 50% from the field. Uh, But ultimately, the second unit for the Hornets could not keep up when the Cavaliers countered with LeBron and company. Hornets lose 112-105. Nada, can we say... Disappointing result, but encouraging play? Yes, we can. The problem I have with saying that it was, I'm not sure it's disappointing or if it's just the same typical thing that we've been going, the Hornets have been going through all season. It's just you can't beat a good team with six players. And you can't beat a great team like the Cavs are, and they are a great team. You can't beat them. With just six guys. And the thing that bugged me the most is Deontay Weber was basically unplayable. They played him for the jump shot. He couldn't hit one. And it took away every other aspect of his playmaking. The minute that he wasn't able to get to the basket, the minute they decided, okay, we're going to give you basically the Rajon Rondo defense. Where we're going to give you five, six feet of space. Dare you to shoot. And if you don't hit. That's fine. We'll just take the rebound and we'll take it down. And that's the th- that's the great thing about Cleveland. Cleveland is one of those teams where they will take any rebound. They'll have that outlet guy, and they will get an easy dunker layup off of a missed shot if you're not careful. Well, and you saw the same thing happen in the Phoenix game as well. I mean, they were they were not uh, guarding Briante Weber at all uh, from you know anywhere outside of the paint. So that's becoming a problem because it allows basically, you know, four on five uh, when the Hornets play offense with Weber. He's not able to convert those jump shots. But more importantly, I think 
he he just his his inexperience, his uh, lack of knowledge of the system. I think is showing. Yeah. He's not able to run the offense. You've seen Clifford get upset with him several times for running the wrong play and players having to direct him. You know, Marvin Williams, guys that are on the floor with him, veterans who have been in the system a while, having to basically make sure uh, you know he's in the right space, and that's going to take your offense completely out of sync. Uh, but the Hornets were within one point with four to go in the game. Uh, but Cleveland, you know, they showed why Cleveland's Cleveland. They put the big three all on one side of the floor. Batum sinks down to try to help on a LeBron James drive. And then LeBron skipped past to the short corner where J.R. Smith hit an absolute toughie. And that, yeah, pretty, that, much, that pretty much sealed the game. But they, I thought the Hornets came out with the, the right energy that you needed to beat a team like Cleveland, to do what Denver did the the, the previous game and, and beat the Cavaliers. Uh, they they beat the Cavs up on the boards, twenty four to seven on second chance points, offensive rebounds everywhere. Cody Zeller had a had a great game. I thought they had the energy. They just didn't have the shooting in the key moments. Several opportunities in the third quarter to pull it within one or even take the lead, missing three pointers. You finished twenty six percent on thirty eight uh, three point attempts. Frank Kaminsky, Marvin Williams finished zero of eight from beyond the arc in this one. They need the pick-and-pop game to fall if they're going to beat good teams. It's like it's one thing if they're going to make the playoffs, if they want a chance to win a few games in that first-round series, or possibly even, you know, uh, maybe if Boston sneaks up there and they've got a shot to beat Boston, uh, they've got to hit the, that. Upset the, yeah, exactly, shock the world and upset the series. That's one thing yeah. I do find interesting about, like, we mentioned the pick-and-pop game, the fact that pick-and-pop really, it, it needs to work. We've seen and we saw more in the Phoenix game this weekend than we did Cleveland. But the pick like Marvin got his shot right together. And and more importantly, the thing that bugs me the most is that Bellinelli. Now, granted, this is Marco's thing now where he'll give you a bunch necessarily in the first half. And then in the second half, it tails off where you need more. of. That's where I think a guy like Jeremy Lamb needs to step up more. It's okay if yeah. you don't show up in the first because Mark's got first half because Marco's got you. Yeah, Marco it's Marco's inconsistency is is very confusing, Nada. You know you know it's also confusing buying well, tickets also- online for sports and concerts. It's been a confusing process for a long time. It's always been difficult to find the best deal for that gamer show you want to go to. And the problem is that none of the older ticket sites want to do anything about that, but SeatGeek is different, my friends. They've come along and created an amazing app and website that makes it easier than ever for fans to buy and sell tickets online. And with the free SeatGeek app, it's even easier. It's the only app that I use on my phone to get tickets. In fact, the Charlotte Knights, uh, the minor league baseball team that has a stadium right here in Uptown Charlotte, they're kicking things off next week, so I will be using my SeatGeek app uh, to acquire tickets for that opener. Uh, Here's the best part. Our listeners get a $20 rebate off their first purchase. If you want your $20 rebate on tickets, here's what you have to do. Download the SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab, and click add a promo code. Enter our promo code, L-O-Hornets. That's L-O-Hornets. SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. Download the SeatGeek app today and enter promo code L-O-Hornets. All right, let's get back to this one. And, And you were talking about... Uh, shooting inconsistencies, uh, those can go both ways. So we saw Marvin Williams struggle, uh, 0 of 3 from beyond the arc against 
Cleveland, and then he comes back and hits five three-pointers on six attempts against Phoenix, and it was a big reason. Three-point shooting in general, yeah. I thought, was a big reason shooting, yeah. they were able to get over Phoenix. And that was not a gimme game. I mean, Phoenix beat them a little over a week ago in Phoenix, and um, and the Hornets really didn't have the second unit uh, in action for this one either, but the starters played well enough to get the win. That was the that was the one thing that bugged me. I think about this game. Well, and we actually we texted each other about this game uh, yesterday, and that was just the back and forth of this game where the Phoenix would make a run, get it within single digits, and then Kemba would do something, bring the lead back up to seventeen eighteen, and then Bench would come back in the fourth quarter, cut it back, and with just the bench attrition. Just that would bring it back down. Kemba and starters would bring it back up. And then after a while, the fluctuations got wildly mad. Um, I was definitely worried about this game early. I thought they were going to blow it. In fact, I I think I texted you about how they're going to blow this game. Well, but here's what I'll say. I think the fluctuations were more about what Phoenix was doing than than necessarily the Hornets, except for one aspect. Because I thought Phoenix uh, came out in the first half, really flat, not really interested in playing that basketball game. Hornets get off to a great start, 38-18. to I thought the Hornets came in. They wanted to try and match the Suns' intensity. They got a lot of young players out there and their pace of play. In the first half, the starters really pushed the basketball off of Suns' misses and turnovers. Ten of the Suns' 12 turnovers came in the first half. Hornets scored 21 points off those turnovers. I got to hand it uh, to my man, uh, Cody Zeller, who basically – Uh, I thought he played like defensive back in this one. He was stepping in front of entry passes with the timing and precision of a Josh Norman. Is that too soon? (laughs) Oh, wow. Josh Norman reference. Are you you really sure you're going to be able to get away with that? I mean, Jay-Z's the only guy that's ever been able to get away with a Josh Norman reference and not get killed for it. (laughs) You're in Charlotte, so therefore it it may not work as well for you. I don't know. But uh, Cody Zeller played well. Four steals in that first half. Uh, Amazing play there from Cody. But then... In in the second half, I thought they that the starters actually came out flat, and it was Phoenix turning up the offensive pressure, but also the defensive pressure. And when you have a team like when you're playing a team that wildly fluctuates, it doesn't help to come out of the the half. It seemed like they came out of that flat. half, yeah, exactly. you know, just like we had we had this thing wrapped up. And more importantly, how many times have we seen a team like Charlotte, the Hornets? especially come out especially in that third quarter and just put the gas on and then just try to again nail gun the door shut and they came out incredibly flat like this is a young team they don't know how to win yet and we can we can not we don't have to worry about this game anymore instead Earl Watson and the boys said you know what we're just going to ratchet up the defense and force you into mistakes and for the most part it worked that was the crazy part like it it really actually worked because it's not like you have defensive stalwarts on that team that make you think, okay, yeah, these guys can stop you on defense. It's like they traded away their best defensive guy in P.J. Tucker, and it's not like T.J. Warren or, or Devin Booker or guys like that are going to be the guys you expect to say, you know, those guys are defensive stoppers. But it, it worked, and they got them back in the game. Now, I think that was probably the most surprising thing is that the Phoenix Suns turned it up on defense. Yeah, and it was and Clifford mentioned this after the game, a lot of it was Tyler Eulis and and yeah. his ability to turn up ball pressure on 
Kimball Walker force the ball out of his hands, and then you force it over. You know, first of all, you force turnovers, and then, which the the Hornets had three of in that in that second half, three of their seven. Um, but you also just force uh, the Hornets, or three in the fourth quarter, I should say, three of their mm-hmm. seven in the fourth quarter. And um, you know, I, I think first of all, Tyler Ulis, first t- first chance I had to see him in person, that dude is tiny. Yeah, and I mean that yeah. in a complimentary way. In a way, like I can't believe that this guy was the guy that lit the Hornets up in Phoenix. And and he didn't play terrible in this game. 7 of 17 from the field, 16 points, 9 assists, 4 rebounds for Uless. Uh Just, he's he's fantastic, Tyler man. U- he just Ty- won't Tyler quit. Uless, Tyler Uless is, I don't know if it's something in the water out there, but they, Phoenix always seems to get that one point guard that comes out of nowhere. Remember, it was Isaiah Thomas what two two years ago before that it was you had the resurrection of brandon knight before that you had eric blood so when he had two healthy well, look at their coach earl watson That's true. i mean he's so like look tiny you know sort of smaller guards exactly, that managed to hang around in the league for over a decade which somehow i still don't believe how he managed to hang out in the league over a decade but he did so the fact that they there's always seems to be one of those guys coming out of Phoenix, and I guess this year is Tyler Eulis, which is interesting because I got to make a decision on him, considering that they're, they're going to be picking top five, top five most likely, and then you know, with all the point guard draft and everything else like that, and that concludes my small talk on the draft. But um, <laughs> they're going to have to make a decision on that too, too soon. So it's going to get real interesting for them. Here's, really the, here's the most important stat that you need to know from this game. The Hornets held Devin Booker to under 70 points. That was the goal. By the way, by the way we yeah. have to talk about that because MKG did a hell of a job on Devin Booker. In yeah. fact, it was a great team defense. Where The fact that MKG basically took that kid out of his comfort zone and that the backline defenses that they had where Cody was always there, Marvin was always there, that's a big key in how they disrupted Devin Booker and kept him under 25, which mind you is the lowest amount of the guys. That's a guy has scored 70. I mean, literally that's the lowest follow-up game after a guy scored 70. MKG is on him like a cheap suit. Yeah. Played really, really good defense against Devin Booker frustrated him early. And that was the key. He did. He did get, get into a little bit of a groove in the second half, but by then, um, it was over. You know, yeah. it was over. So, um, you know, what's interesting. I know I knew the second half something had changed because the Hornets decided to trap a lot at the end of that third quarter. Uh, they yeah. trapped on four possessions. They committed their defense a lot. And uh, that's when you knew because the Hornets don't like to do that. That is not very it's not like the Hornets to to trap, but they had to uh, slow down Ulysses and uh, slow down that offense from getting into the paint. And so they were sending Cody almost every possession in the in the second part of that third quarter. Also, I mean, it seemed like they just abandoned the bench in that third quarter. Clifford was going to go with his starters. I think uh, Kimba played the entire third quarter. Uh, the, the bench unit did not sniff the floor much. And, and that was because, look, the difference between the starters and the bench unit in this one, huge. The pace slowed down to a crawl. And the Hornets were trying – that was the thing. The Hornets were trying to push the pace. In that first half, 
uh, you had the starters with a pace over 100. They average a pace of 98, but then the bench comes in and it goes down to 95, 94. So the ball was slowing down. The ball movement was slowing down. Uh, just a big difference between the bench and the starting unit. And eventually, Nada, I mean, the starters are not going to play that well against a, a Milwaukee or, or you know, this yeah, game exactly. that they got coming up Without against the bench. Heat. They've got yeah, to have exactly. the bench step up. The bench, the bench has been the biggest issue for this team all year, and is and the sad part is, you thought that with the last little resurgence that you had a Jeremy Lamb that showed up and and was the first guy off the bench and he scored and he did a lot of things that were beneficial, and then uh, as Jeremy, Jeremy Lamb did Jeremy Lamb things and disappeared and became inconsistent again, and then you, of course you have the inconsistencies of Marco. Frank has gone from in, from really consistent for a month to back to being inconsistent. It, there are just so many different things that at some point someone's just got to be like well, a stalwart. Well, we to me, it's it's, it's less about eight points. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's less about consistency of shooting and more just an indication that they don't they don't have anyone that they can play on that bench that can really facilitate the offense. They were playing Batum a lot with the bench. But they can't really do that because they need Batum. They're playing Batum already 36, 37 minutes. Uh, so they, they, they're, they're playing him as much as I think they can. They've been playing Marvin with the bench unit more. Um, but And that's because they have Frank Kaminsky that they can play alongside Cody Zeller to close out games. I, I just I, I don't know. You it, it just goes to show. I mean, you can't. There's not a lot you can do without a really, really good, you know, or a good option solid, at pure point guard. point guard. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And the, and is the, the question becomes because he's because he started to get suited up. Is the answer do we go back to Ramon Sessions? Because I think I think that you would have said hell no uh, before these last two said, games, and now exactly. you say well I don't know. Exactly. Before, it's showing what or this whole like I think people hear the word organization from Steve Clifford and they go what does that really mean. I think you look at these two games when 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 Weber's in the game with the bench and you go, okay, I get it. That's what that means. Yeah, exactly. That's what you got to know the system. That's what when Clifford brings up practice time, this is what he means. The last two games are exactly what he means when it comes out comes out of your bench. Because say what you want about Brian Roberts, and I do not think he should be an option in any sort of unless Briante and Ramon get hurt. There's no way Brian Roberts should sniff the floor. But this is what he means when he's talking about organization and practice timing, knowing where to be. And that's one thing about Clifford. Clifford has always said knowing where to be is very important, especially in his offense. And clearly, if the if the bench offense is going to be this disorganized, I don't think you can run Briante Weber, especially in the middle of a possible playoff run. I think you can run them out there. It's not fair to the rest of the guys. Speaking of, the Hornets are now 33-40 and 40 with uh, the Heat loss last night. They are two games out of the eighth and final spot in the Eastern Conference playoffs. At the beginning of the show, Nada, you said that you are upgrading their status to make the playoffs to probable. Um, yes. Nine games to go, a two-game deficit. Why do you think it's now probable? Pro- Mainly because I, for some reason, I think the magic carpet ride of the Miami Heat is coming to a close. Obviously, the Hornets have a big game against Miami upcoming soon. I I think Milwaukee, I think Charlotte has Milwaukee's number. I do. I'm not sure Milwaukee is a good matchup, but like Charlotte's a bad matchup for Milwaukee. 
there are a lot of things. Like, I, I just, for some reason, it's one of those feelings you get where you're like, they're going to make the playoffs, aren't they? And, and just completely wreck the whole idea of tanking for for a better draft pick that would probably be at, at 11 at this point. So I, I want I, to I want to be where you are, but I look at the problems with the second unit and I worry because look, the margin of error is still very thin. They can really only lose two of their next nine, and even that, if they lose two, would require some help from teams like Miami. Uh, don't count out the Atlanta Hawks either. Don't count on them to make the playoffs at this point. They've that's, lost seven the games in a row. That's the other thing. If Paul Millsap doesn't come back, then My goodness. I don't think they're making the playoffs. I mean, you look at the standings right now, and um, you know, for some of the team, for maybe uh, maybe a Miami, if they can get some players back, they're missing Dion Waiters, and uh, it looks like Goran Dragic is playing very hurt at this point. Has to cut a hole in his shoe <laughs> to play because of a heel injury. Um, it, it, but if they can get healthy, you know, fifth seed is not out of the question for some of these teams battling. I think it's a little out of the question for the Hornets, who would be four games back at this point with nine to go. But yeah. I, I, and I look at the schedule too. Those two Milwaukee games, I think, are going to be they're still going to be difficult. I, I agree. I think the Charlotte Hornets provide a a good matchup for that team. But I don't. I, I still think those are going to be difficult because they have a lot of talent and a lot to play for. Um, but they did just drop a game to Chicago, a game they had no business exactly. dropping. Um, exactly. And then Chicago's Toronto, Oklahoma City, Boston. I mean, Washington again. These are a lot of tough games. If the Hornets, I'll say this: if the Hornets make the playoffs, they They'll they deserved it. it. They deserved every bit of it because this next stretch is going to say a lot about, uh, especially what the starters can do. I think because it's going. That's the thing. If, if the Hornets make the playoffs. It's going to be on the back of this starting unit, and and they're they're, they're going to be very 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 tired, I think, because uh, you know it's going to be Kemba, it's going to be Batum, Zeller's playing extremely well, Marvin is having an amazing march. I mean, this starting unit is coming; they're healthy and they're coming together at the right time. But the big question mark in my mind: Can this bench provide enough offense? I think it to can. get them over the hump. I think it can. That's the thing. Over the next night, I think it can. I honestly think it can. And I love your belief. I love your. Posi- yes, I love it, your positivity. It's giving me. I, I know one person that doesn't like it though. It's Keith. Uh, Keith emailing into us. Um, oh, the Lord. the subject. I love Keith. Keith. The subject here. Don't be a hero for zero. That's my uh, that's my term for uh, drafting De'Aaron Fox. Keith really wanting Fox after watching. Uh, that can, uh, watching this entire tournament where Fox really lit it up. Uh, Keith saying, we need to lose to give us a chance for him or Malik Monk or Miles Bridges. I promise I'm a huge fan and feel if we can lose most of our games, we can, we can get a guy that can really help. We need a pick at 10 or so. Uh, that's from Keith. Thanks for emailing Keith. Keith, I, I believe you. I believe you're a big fan, and I, I wouldn't question anyone's fandom. Uh, I would just say that I think even if they they lose out, it's going to be tough. Um, it's going to be tough to get into that top ten because I agree because of of just the situation that they currently find themselves in. I think they are they are uh, damned to uh, ten to fourteen or higher if they end up making the playoffs. It's like I said last week. At this point, they're with they're still a trade within getting a guy like De'Aaron Fox. Or, I, and the one thing I worry about with this team is that, unfortunately, the, the boat 
for top 10 pick land left the station a long time ago. Like you could have said this about a week or two ago when they lost to Phoenix then then, okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Tank the season. You only got 15 games left. Doesn't matter. Now they've gone on this run four or five and it's too late now. I mean, it's too late to tank and expect to get anything out of this season. Now, now it's go all in. And if you don't get a, if you don't get in the playoffs, so what you'll have gotten 70 plus games out of Michael Kidd Gilchrist, which would be the second most in his career in the regular season. You'd also get Cody Zeller finishing the season strong after being hurt for a good portion of, of January. And who knows how this season turns out if he's healthy for even half that half that time. You have a great all-star year out of Kemba Walker. And unfortunately, because the point guard position is too deep, at, at he he should in normal years he'd get consideration for all NBA, all NBA. And unfortunately, because the point guard position is that deep this year, it's not going to happen. But you, there are so many good things that happen with this season, this season that we need to stop looking at seasons of if we made the playoffs, a great season. If we don't, it's not a great season. It's a bad year. It's a throwaway year. The journey along the way matters and the growth of the players matter. And as long as we look at it like that, yeah, then... I think we can start looking at things a little bit differently. I think you make a great point, and I would add this, because we talk a lot about how finishing strong, making the playoffs matters in terms of the belief of the fan base, in terms of getting people uh, to come out to the arena and believe in the team. But I think we underestimate how much doing that uh, matters to the belief of the players and, and, and what they feel like they can accomplish next season. You know, if they were to lose out, if they were to lose every game, I think that would that would devastate their belief in what they've built together, and and start to make them question if if this is if this is you know the team, the construction, yeah, exactly that that can make things happen. And I think that's very dangerous. I mean, you want, I think, if if you care about the success of next season, then you want Kimball Walker, Nick Batum. Cody Zeller, Frank Kaminsky, this core that the Hornets have invested in, you want those guys feeling like, okay, had some tough breaks, we're going to go into this offseason, we're going to work extremely hard, and we're, we're going to make it better next season. You don't want them thinking, good lord, like exististentially questioning this, yeah, this entire I, well, again, team. Did, exactly. did I make the right decision signing this contract, being with this team? You don't want them doing it. You want them feeling confident. And I think making the playoffs would certainly do that. So, again, uh, Keith, thanks for your email. I don't go, listen, I'm not going to judge anyone's fandom uh, because I get people, uh, people love the hope of a draft pick, but this team is not one draft pick away. Uh, it's, th- there are some. There, there are several holes that they need to fill in the offseason. Specifically in the bench. Specifically in the bench. Yeah. And I'm not sure a draft pick, a, a rookie can help that. I'm yeah. not sure a rookie can help that at all. It may, but that's a risk. You know, it's, a, it's riskier than, than finding, you know, a, a possible veteran uh, solution. Uh, J-Dog, Jason, J-Money also emailing in. <laughs> this was funny at the end of his email. Had a couple of fellows sitting behind me that essentially complained. Uh, this was at the Cleveland game. He was at the Cleveland game in, in Spectrum Center. Had a couple of fellows sitting behind me that essentially complained how Cleveland sucked and Kyrie needs to be better. And I'm pretty sure it was the same guys who were doing the same thing on the New Year's Eve game where the, the Cavaliers abs- absolutely shellacked the Hornets. 
Uh, yeah. Jason saying here, come on, it's annoying enough to have you there, but that's just dumb. It's the the good the good old arena conversation. Some of it. Oh, I have God. a guy. I have a guy behind me that loves to love really loves to get on Nick Batum and that twenty five million dollar contract, uh, despite the fact that you know, listen, fifteen points, uh, uh, seven rebounds, six assists. It's tough to do. Tough to do in the uh, NBA. But I don't think people realize how hard it is to score in the NBA, and more importantly, since you're closer to the floor than I am, you would under you would appreciate. At this, it, like the closer to the floor you are, I don't think. I think one thing that people don't get is that the athleticism and the physicality of the game really is like you really don't get it until you see an NBA game up close. You really, really don't get it. And the closer you get, the more you understand how physical that game is and how af- how much athleticism is needed just to score two points, much less fifteen. And more importantly. Nick Batum, the, the one thing I keep, I'll keep saying about Nick Batum, take a look at Kemba Walker's splits when he, when Batum is on the floor compared to when he's off. Uh, even and, more, even more than that, Nada. Look at the you don't even have to look at stats. Just look at the bench play when Mar, when um, when Batum is out there with the bench and when he is not. That's true. That makes a big difference as well. And, and, and my thing is, look, I I will grant. That Batum has taken a half step back in, in in some of his efficiency stats has not knocked down the three point shot as well as he did last season. It has had an effect, but uh, this is year one of the new contract. Uh, they signed him for the long term. Uh, they believe that he is a player that can help this team develop into the into a team that is difficult to play against. Um, there have been issues this season, but uh, I, I think they made a good investment, and we'll, we'll have to see how it transpires moving forward. But he makes Kimba better, and he makes when he plays with the bench, he makes the entire team better. Yes, he they makes, don't. And mind makes you, the team better. mind you, this is no matter what happens, this is going to be cle- uh, This is not going to be Steve Clifford's worst season winning. Because again, I think they only won what thirty four in the last year. I think they only won about thirty four games this year. They're they're going to eclipse that. You're possibly looking at a 40-win season again. That'll be three of them under Cliff. It's not like, good enough. It's not good enough for something. It's not good enough. Uh, exactly. Three 40-win seasons out of out of any coach in this town. If you told me that when Clifford signs, I think everybody signs up for that tomorrow. So. All right. Well, uh, that'll do it for us here on this edition of Locked On Hornets. Here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Give us a rating while you're there. It helps hardcore Hornets fans like yourself find this podcast and be like J Dog, be like Keith. Shoot us your Hornets questions and thoughts to buzzbuzz at lockedonhornets.com. We love reading them. We love reading them on the show and giving you our thoughts. We're back again tomorrow with much more and a preview of this huge, uh, pivotal, Colossal. 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 I like that one. Uh, for Nada, Nada, thank you again for joining us here on this Monday. Fun show, always. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Doug. For Nada, I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go America. Let's swarm Charlotte. Like what you hear? Consider sharing this podcast with other Charlotte Hornets fans. The easiest way? Our new website, LockedOnHornets.com. There you can download the podcast, listen to our latest episodes, and check out Locked on Hornets live on Tuesdays at 6 p.m. Place with the helpful hardware folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. 
Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.